This is the Decibel Geek Podcast with Aaron Camaro and Chris Sinzak. People keep on talking. I just keep on walking. Is that a funk hammer in your pocket? Or are you just happy that it's time for the Decibel Geek Podcast? That's good. Because it is. My name is Aaron Camaro. Right there is Chris Sinzak, and we are here to kick some butt today with one of our very best friends, the one and only Todd Zilla. Yeah, we're so happy to have Todd back on the show, and it's been a it's been a good little while since he's been on the show. Of course, we see him pretty regularly around town, but uh, yeah, there's been a you know those of you that have followed the the Facebook page and everything in the news about him, he's been through a lot in the last year. So yeah, he's going to share. He well, will. give us all a yep. good update on where he's at today. Yeah, we'll get a whole full update, and uh, boy, he picked some really cool songs. Yeah, man, this is a really great episode because I got turned on to a bunch of new bands that I never heard of before that I really, really like now, thanks yeah. to Todd Zilla. And you know from his stories on the show that he's been on with us in the past, yeah. this guy's got killer taste in music. You know, he loves yeah. the kiss, and he loves the Van Halen, and today he's going to turn us all on to some really cool songs. As a matter of fact, he's going to turn us on to six songs. Yep. Six songs he thinks we should all hear. But before we get to those songs, man, wow, what a great thing to see is this. Mm-hmm. Look at that. Ten stars. Yeah. Ten stars on the iTunes. I didn't even know we could achieve that. But together, when we get all these iTunes reviews like we've been getting, and man, do we love them. Yeah. We can add them all up. We've got thousands of stars by now, I bet. Yeah. Got to be getting there. I suck at math, but all uh, sounds good to me. Yeah, well, obviously I suck at math too. <laughs> That's why we do a podcast, and we're not mathematicians. <laughs> but I'm good at reading, so let me tell you a little something about this. The inter- the uh, iTunes review is called "Quite Entertaining." It comes to us from Keith with a bunch of numbers behind it. And it came to us right here in uh, October. I don't know where from, but this is how it goes. These guys generally have great guests and keep it flowing. Love the Kissmas episodes, but also the people behind the scenes getting a larger view of what happened. Great job, guys. That's awesome. Five stars right there on iTunes. I like that guy. to make it ten, we got another one. Mm -hmm. Oh, from a name we all know and love. It's the Mooger Fooger. His iTunes review is entitled Back in the Saddle, and it goes a little something like this. Finally getting through all of the amazing Rock and Pod Expo podcasts. I am honored and humbled to have attended. Chris and Aaron, you could not have been more welcoming. Thank you for the amazing time and the unforgettable experience. Cheers, my friends. The Mooger Fooger. That was fun seeing him there. and Yeah, it was. I had so much fun hanging out with him. He, and he's right. There was a... An insane amount of uh, material that came out of the Rock and yeah. Expo between all the shows, and I'm just now finishing. I think I think I've gotten through every recap at this point. Right on, but yeah, it's that's been, awesome. Uh, yeah, it's just still still amazing how it all oh, went down. Wait, you haven't got through all of them yet? I haven't. No, because if you're a VIP, oh. I've still got. I'm still sitting on a bunch of stuff that I recorded at the Rock and Pod Expo. Oh, so I'll finally get to hear that. So you'll finally get to hear it along with our VIPs. Oh, what? You want to hear it too? But you're not a VIP? Well, I got good news for you because you can become one very easily. Yes. Just go to patreon.com, do a little donation to the Decibel Geek podcast. Mm-hmm. There's different levels. You get yep. different things. You know, something you get as a, I think, a $5, yeah, yeah $5 donation um, or contribution or uh 
what's the word? It's a uh, it's a five dollar subscription. Subscription. That's yeah. what I'm trying to think of. Yeah. You subscribe to us, and so what you get is the Chris and Aaron show. Yeah. And what the Chris and Aaron show is is Chris and I just kind of shooting the breeze a lot of times, talking about behind the scenes stuff, talking about things going on in the show, in mm-hmm. the past, in the present, and coming up in the future, mm-hmm. and some really cool. Rock and Pod Expo stuff that nobody's ever got to hear before. Yeah, you can also get unedited uh, interviews, like yeah. the raw recordings of when we do stuff. You know, before it's t- stuff is taken out, you right? Know? And um, and but yeah, a lot of been, exclusive stuff, right? And we've been doing this for quite a while now, so we've got quite an archive built up. So yeah. when you join us today as a VIP, you get to go all the way back to the beginning, just like you did with the Decibel Geek Podcast, and catch your way on up to where we are today. And we've got cool stuff coming out all the time. Yeah, ask a VIP. They'll tell you. Yeah. They love it. And there's giveaways that are happening. And yeah. uh, I sent out some goodie bags to some of the folks. And uh, yeah, we're just, we sporadically will send some stuff out just, just for the support. And uh, there's some cool stuff going out. And there's actually, you know, a couple of, uh, a couple of the prize pack or a couple of the perks packages from the expo that didn't sell that include some autograph material. I'll be sending some of that out to VIP soon as well. Right on. So if you want to get, be in, you know, in uh, eligible for that. You can uh, sign up soon and go to Patreon, look up Decibel Geek, and uh, become a become a Decibel Geek VIP. It's a lot of fun. You're going to love it for a low, low cost. Yeah. But it's so we, we really do enjoy doing the VIP stuff. Really do. Because we look at those guys as our favorite people, our favorite people in the whole world. You know who else we love? The people that loved our episode last week with Joe Becht talking about Chicago rock. Yep. The people that went out and shared and retweeted it. Mm-hmm. Well, those people, they're our Geeks of the Week. That's right. Geeks of the Week this week are Joe Lascon, Mike Grabowski, Steve Wright, Rich Canamar, the Growing Up Rock Podcast, Brian Knapp, Cobras and Fire Podcast, Kevin Williams, Matt Ashcraft, Wayne Cross, Jeremy Bednarski, Greg McGlone, Tom, Todd Cunningham, Digital Kill the Radio Star, Rock and Ron Runyon, Mark Alden Taylor, the Freeform Rock Podcast. Aaron Baker, Neil Johnson, Andy LaFon, Tony Bakken, David Glenn, Trevor McDougal, Andrew Jacobs, Joe Royland, Sit and Spin with Joe, Shane Abair, Brant Cattell, Dan Chapu, Anthony Visconti, Sean Cullen, Mikhail Burrell, Sonny Pooney, James McElhenney, Greg Renoff, Ernesto Aguiar, Jay Shablewski, Adam Cox, Billy Hardcore, Jeff Mendenhall, Derek Novak, Christopher Stokes, Joe Becht, and of course, the, the Mooger Fooger. Hey, list of the geeks of the week, also known as the coolest people on earth. Yeah. Awesome. You ready to get into our conversation with the one and only Toddzilla? Yes, and I think uh, our friend Ace Fraley will possibly make an appearance during this discussion. <laughs> you know he will. <laughs> So how you been doing? Uh, I know, well, question? well, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to push you too hard on what you want to share. But um, when everything, obviously, you're one of our more popular guests that we've had on the show. And when things went sour recently, yeah, yeah. Uh, we we did let the listeners know about it. And there's been a lot of uh, people. I know a lot, a number of listeners, some you know, contributed to the GoFundMe, and then a lot of people that have been asking about how you're doing, which is humbling to the nth degree i'll yeah. say that um it has been yeah it's been a pretty um pretty rough few months um you know it's kind of i i have had a, a pretty big roller coaster several years it seems like this yeah. whole most of this decade has just really been really tough for me but 
it's kind of one of those things that you know when the universe decides you're rocky balboa you just keep getting up yeah you get hit you you stand back up and i've dealt with a lot of adversity had a lot of highs but also had a lot of lows and you know had some really great things happen to me in the past few years and you guys were your show is one of those things that is very you know uh, um a very bright spot you know having the people yeah uh, that listen to your show um respond so well to mm-hmm. to me and you know my you know bullshit <laughs> or whatever and it's not bullshit we but, call but, that you know, podcast gold you yeah, can call yeah, it bullshit yeah, all you like you know and and i you know i really um i really appreciate all the support um we are we're we're kind of in a bit of a power struggle right now as if it weren't bad enough that you know the house caught on fire and burned and was is pretty much gutted and lost most of everything you mm. know i mean we have you know I, um I, I lost almost all of my musical equipment uh years and years of collected musical equipment over a lifetime and and most of it's gone i did i was able to save a lot of the guitars because a lot of them were in cases yeah and the cases did their jobs the cases got destroyed but the guitars actually were okay but then there was a lot of them that were hanging on the wall because yeah. you know my you guys came to my house one time yeah. and i had you know a room where i had all my a lot of my guitars just that i had collected displayed and a lot of them were damaged pretty badly, but we're in the process of taking them one by one and trying to recover them. Yeah, right um, of the, course the, the the biggest the the biggest blow of all was was losing you know my pets. Yeah, I lost yeah. seven out of my eight cats, mm. and it was just um, very devastating. Yeah. Um, but you know we're trying to bounce back. It's a little it's a little tough right now because we're um we're kind of in a bit of a stalemate. I live in a an area of Nashville that's um got a historic overlay and the the historic committee has decided the historic commission rather has decided that they're gonna give us a pretty hard time about what we're doing to to rebuild the house and um I'm caught in a caught in a, a political web that I never imagined I would be in and didn't think there'd be any reason for me to be in but it's it's you know it's almost that you know stereotypical thing of the crazy misguided self-important kind of people that you would think run a historic commission and they're right Mm. there man and they just won't let up so what kind of stuff are they giving you a hard time over they they want to they they my house was built in 1920 yeah Uh, it's an uh, old craftsman house and um they want to for all intents and purposes the short story is they want to save the facade of the of the house Mm -hmm. they want the exterior to remain but the problem is that the damage is so severe and there's so much smoke damage in the old wood right that you know i've been advised by my contractor and some other people that it's going to be it's like instead of taking it down completely and then rebuilding it to look exactly the way it did yeah 
they want us to save that facade and save a lot of the old beams and all that kind of stuff. But the problem is, the biggest problem is yeah. that to refurbish it yeah. and to get the smell of the fire out, right. it's <clears throat> going to cost like $100,000 more than it would if we just knocked it down and rebuilt the house. And you've already had a contractor wow. say it's not safe to save the it, exterior. For all into, that yeah. part is up for debate. That's the problem is that there's, you know, structural engineers have come in and, and said, well, you could save this, but it's probably not the greatest idea, and it's not cost effective. But they didn't come in and say, "Oh yeah, it's got to come down," and that's right. part of where where I'm caught. Where kind of wish they had. Yes, yeah. if they had, the no. whole thing would be over, and and I'd be building my house right now. But as it stands, we're three months past the fire, and they they barely swung a hammer at my house. There's really it's there's not really much going on, and it's really frustrating and very hard. Mm. Man. You know, I mean, it is, it is what it is. It's one of those things you just kind of learn to, to live through it. Yeah. And, um, you know, but, you know, there's there's bright spots. You know, my, my 64 Corvette was destroyed, but I, courtesy of a nice insurance policy, I was able to replace it with a 67 yeah, coupe. I saw it. It's a beauty. So, you know, I mean, it's just, it's kind of, you know, it's it's baby steps. For sure. You know? um, but luckily, I uh, have a, you know... Right now we we have we have a place to live, you know, and and uh, the insurance is taking care of that, and um, I have an amazing woman by my side who is you know helping me get through it, you know, um, and uh, you know things are you know we're 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 okay. Yeah, it, it's really yeah. hard, very frustrating, and mm-hmm. some days are really 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 difficult. But yeah, at the same time, you know, you just kind of there's been such an outpouring of support. Yeah, that GoFundMe thing is the most incredible thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. And it was really heartening to see everyone come together yeah, to help really you out was. with this. It really was. Yeah. And and it, and and you know, I'm humbled and flattered and just so you know, I mean, I'm really, I mean, what can you say when you when you when something that is the worst tragedy that you could ever imagine happens to you, but mm-hmm. then you have so many people come and support you, I mean, it was it was overwhelming. Yeah. Um, and you know, and, and I just you know, I just want to take this time to anybody that did reach out, anybody that did donate, any of that. I'm just I'm so humbled and thankful, and thank you from the bottom of my heart. You know, it's it's really. Um, it, it, it makes one of the most trying times of my life kind of amazing at the same time. Right. right? You know, it really yeah. does. It really does. To, to know that you're that loved, that respected, yeah. that well thought of, that yeah. people would reach out like that. And, and it still continues. Th- yeah. You know, we're three months past it, and, and and it still continues every day. I have people coming by where I work and yeah. and saying things and and still bringing me gifts and doing things and just yeah. you know and people are still giving Abby you know mm. gifts and things and and um, a lot of the people in the burlesque community are reaching out for her and yeah. Yeah. and giving her costumes that. and things to replenish the things that she That's lost great. too. And so there's just some. It's just it's an amazing experience. Yeah, it sucks really bad. <laughs> yeah, but it's, an, but it's, it's, a, it's also, almost like I'd rather be as an outsider to this than sure. the guy. Right. But well, uh, you yeah. know, but it, but it's yeah. it's kind of one of those things. You know, you just you 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 learn to 
You learn to live with it. Well, and, I, and yeah. for me, as someone who's a native Nashvilleian, you know, and we've seen the city change a lot over the years, especially lately. Yeah. Um, it made me feel good to be, think that, okay, we still have that small town mindset of we help out our own, especially the music community oh, yeah. here. Yeah. The the musician community here completely rallied around you. Yeah. And uh, it made me feel good to see that that's still part of Nashville because yeah. sometimes I worry about this city because it, it changes by the week, it seems. Yeah, it, do, it yeah. does. But, but, there, but it, you know what? It proved to me, and I said this um, – Right around the time of that um, benefit show, yeah, which um, we'll talk about, I'm sure, in a little bit too. Sure, and, yeah. and, but it, I I said it at I think I did say it on stage at the show. It it proved to me that this city has the biggest heart of any city in America. It does. Yeah, it really it really does. It's there's a huge, you know, that again Nashville can be very competitive mm-hmm. but it's never been cutthroat competitive no. it's never like LA where they'll you know stab you in the back to take your gig yeah, right. here it's just competitive because there's so many people doing it but mm-hmm. everybody is still very nice and very human yeah. and very supportive and you know i mean sure you know there's people that don't like each other and you just have friction and you have stuff and that I mean, that's just that's just life that's just life but at the same time Nashville doesn't seem to be really really rife with that all no, the time. No, it's it's usually all. kind of one of those things where you, you really get a feeling that people are just, you know, people are good yeah. here and, and and people are supportive and we're all in it together. You know, just about everybody I know has been through the same damn thing I have. You know, they've struggled. They've, mm-hmm. you know, they've had some successes. They've had some, a lot of failures and, you know, it's just, an, it's the up and down thing. And, yeah. you know, when you do it for as long as we've all done it, they're, comes a moment where you just look up, look around and you go, okay, these people all deserve my respect mm-hmm. and hopefully I've earned theirs. Right. And that proved to me that I had, yeah. you know, it was oh, pretty, yeah. pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. Very cool. All right. Uh, well, so you ready to talk music? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Awesome. Okay. Absolutely. So, and actually a lot of people, I think we've mentioned it on the show, you were actually scheduled to come out here and record with us the right. day after everything went down. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, yeah. So yeah, and we were going to do this episode. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, it's, it's been a long time it, coming. It, it yeah. feels like a victory to finally get you out here to right. do this. Yeah, it feels and, like a victory to be here. Yeah, awesome. well, we're happy to Good have deal. you. Sure. So um, the six songs concept come up by my co-host here, Aaron Camaro, a couple of years ago. We needed excuses to be able to get people back on the show. He's like, sure. what do we do? How can we get? We got to have something to talk about. Right? right. Yes. I've only like, got well, so many Ace Freely stories. <laughs> But they're all gold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, they're, they're they're good ones, man. Yeah, they are. I gotta ask, so do you have any Jackson guitars? <laughs> Floyd Rose is on. Them. <laughs> you got any Jackson guitars up in there? <laughs> man, I watched I watched some of the the video uh, of of uh, Philip and Jeremy yeah. from the residency and Ryan playing in Gene's band and mm-hmm. them playing. With Ace, and I got I got to tell you, I watched the video, and it was so much fun yeah. to watch those three guys yeah, right. behind yeah. Gene and Ace yeah. shitting their pants. Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I've been Phil living vicariously Shouse, through I bet them. His face hurt for three days oh, after sure. that from smiling because yeah. he was what a day. losing his mind. Yeah, and, 
it just, you know, Ace couldn't have been any more Ace if he tried. I mean, he, you know, and when and when he got up to speak, yeah, he, I I got electrocuted. <laughs> you know, and I was just laughing my ass. I and he didn't even. I don't even think he said electrocuted. He'd say he said I got electrocuted back in 1977. I wrote this song. It's called Shock Me. <laughs> Like, well, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> if you needed any proof that I right. wasn't full of shit, <laughs> there you go. Oh, God. Oh, oh man. But it was so much fun to watch those guys. And I yeah. just, you know, yeah. I have to say, uh, you know, as, as a, as a lifelong Kiss fan, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, and I love those guys, but you know, how can you not be jealous of that? That's right. just the most amazing thing. Yeah. And if they if they weren't the nicest guys in the world, yeah. I would hate their guts. Yeah. <laughs> but they're the sweetest guys ever. Yeah. And right. So you just have to feel great oh, for them. Just, yeah. yeah. I can only imagine what that felt like. Those guys, you know. Yeah. Talk about living charmed lives. Right. Yeah. They literally are living the dream. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm so happy for them. Absolutely. Very it's cool. a great thing. But great the, thing. But anyway, so <laughs> right. on away from that. We're, so we got songs here. No, well, we got about. an Ace Fraley imitation and I think we're good. Yeah. You can, uh, <laughs> That's all everybody wanted to hear. Good night, folks. <laughs> we just need a story of David Lee Roth taking his pants off in concert and or, the, or a girl, you know, well, you know. Boy, that, well, yeah, you telling you, man. You know that story. Happened. I still get emails from it people about for that. Real, story. I swear, you know, <laughs> it happened. Oh, jeez. All right, so, so, so six songs, basically six songs that you think our listeners should hear. And uh, I made it. I made it clear from the get go. No radio hits. No, uh, mm-hmm. uh, not too much funk. There's a little bit of funk on your list here. Well, but, it's, but you know gonna, our you I'm know our demographic. Some, I, yeah, I'm always going to have a little bit of that in there. But I purposefully. I purposefully went the other direction. Okay. I mean, for me, you know. Okay. I mean, I'm 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 not your guy that's going to come in here with like some bootleg of Pantera or something. It's right. just not going to happen. That's just not my that's not my shtick. That's all right. You know, but but and these songs all kind of do have a little, you know. There's there's a little bit of that groove thing with me. That's always going to be there because that's the kind of music that I really love and. It's got it. It doesn't, you know. I mean, ACDC's funky as hell. Yeah, sure. You know, I mean, it's the best stripper music ever. Totally. You know, and it's because of the groove. They right. they make groove an art form. Sure. So that's kind of part of the shtick here with all these songs. I feel like there's there's something there that that has a little bit of that kind of slinkiness to it. Right. But, but it's but I still tried to lean on some rock stuff. You know, that's a cool list. And uh, right. yeah, let's yeah. let's get started. What do you got first? Okay, well, the first song, um, this is from a band that they were from Memphis, and uh, they kind of showed up, I remember, back in the day when they were doing the NEA Extravaganza here, mm-hmm. Nashville Entertainment Association Extravaganza in the late 80s and early 90s. It was kind of like what South by Southwest is in Austin, right. but it was Nashville's version of it, and... Um, and they showed up, got on the bill, and showed up and played at the NEA Extravaganza and blew people's minds. I think it was maybe 92-ish, somewhere mm-hmm. around in there, yeah. early 90s. And they showed up and 
it was kind of on the heels of the Black Crows' mm -hmm. success with uh, you know their first record, and then I think the the record that had Remedy on it had yeah. come out. Yep. I guess that was their second record. I guess. Shake Your Money Maker. Uh, yeah. I, Shake Your Money Maker was the first, first one, one. Was but it, the one uh, with Remedy on it was Southern I, Harmony. I think so. Yeah, yeah. 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 And um, but anyway, kind of on the in the wake of that, you know, kind of blues based rock was kind of you know on the heels of Guns N' Roses and then there's the Black Crows doing their bluesy thing and then then this band showed up and the thing about the thing about this band is it's uh, the band is called Mother Station mm -hmm. and they are they were fronted by a pair of girls right um, the oh my god Susan Marshall was the singer and she's just an amazing voice she's gone on to uh to sing backgrounds for a lot of different national acts. She's been on the road probably half her life singing. Um, and very Janis Joplin-esque kind of vocalist. And then the other girl was the guitar player, and her name was Gwen Spencer. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you a little story about the first time I saw this band play. I'd never heard of them before, but... Um, it was at the Gibson 75th anniversary show. Was it the 100th anniversary show? The one that Kiss and Fleetwood Mac played? Okay. Because I was at that, years? and I, okay. saw, I saw them at that. Okay. So, yeah. You're right. You're right. You're at Riverfront right. Park. So, yeah. It's 100-year anniversary for, of Gibson. That's right. It was at Riverfront. Yeah, I was Kiss there. Kiss was headlining. Yeah. Okay. And we're sitting there, and they, you know... All the bands are playing. I think Pat Travers played. He it. did. Yeah. Brother Kane played. Yeah, that they day. were great. Uh, and and then the, the but the band that opened the show, they come yep. out to open. We're sitting there on our blanket on the riverfront, <laughs> mm -hmm. and they come out. And they come walking out, <clears throat> and what I saw from where I was sitting was. These guys come out, the drummer comes out, he's got this big long blonde hair, and then they've got a guy playing a B3, and he's kind of got long straight hair, you know, and the bass player kind of looked like that Johnny Colt guy from Black Crows, from what I remember. He was kind yeah. of tall, skinny, had long, dark hair, you know. And then the guitar player walked up, mm -hmm. long, dark hair, kind of long, billowy shirt, boots, like cowboy boots, you know. And sort of kind of had the slash thing going on, hair in the face. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> they start playing, and they start the song. And they get about, you know, the band starts churning, and Susan comes walking up the ramp. It's like she's like Godzilla about to come stomp Tokyo. She just comes stomping up this ramp. like, And I'm like, oh, check out this chick. Yeah. Long, flowing, red, curly hair. And uh, and the guitar player's playing this groove, you know. And then right about the time that the drummer gets ready to kick into the song, the guitar player waves. At this point, I I thought it was a guy. Okay, that's yeah. you got to you got to tell the story right. I got to tell you, I didn't really pay attention. Hair down in the face, right? Slash thing going on, hunched over the guitar, playing a Les Paul, mm -hmm. Gibson's hundredth anniversary. Well. Uh -huh. Stops, train wrecks the band, throws arm up, train wrecks the band. Band looks up like, what the hell? Turns to the guitar tech, walks over, says something to the guitar tech. Just like, the guitar tech looks, kind of, his eyes got really big, and he turns around, 
picks up a Telecaster and she handed him the Les Paul <laughs> at Gibson's. Oh boy, Gibson's hundredth anniversary. They'd obviously given her this Les Paul to play right. or something. Yeah, and she goes, you know, it's literally uh-uh. four bars in. Goes, hold not, on a second. Not using this. <laughs> Turns around, hands the, get puts a Telecaster on and starts playing this Tele, and then they kicked into it. And I was like, man. That guitar player's got some balls. I was man. just gonna and say then, the same and then, thing. Yeah, to do this. And then <laughs> and then they start playing, and you know, the crowd's kind of bobbing their heads. It's like, man, this is some good stuff, you know. And we're all like, man, I like this. And Susan starts singing, it's like, oh my god, she sounds great. And right about that time, Gwen takes her hand and like brushes her hair back from her face and looks up at the crowd, and she's got this bright red lipstick on. Uh-huh. And that was the first moment that I and just about 10,000 other people yeah. realized that's a chick. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the whole crowd went, nice. and she just smiled at everybody because she played guitar like a dude. Right. She was play. She was up there like, it was like Joe Perry going at it. Yeah. She was thrashing that guitar, jumping around, doing the whole thing. But it wasn't until she threw her hair up out of her face that she realized oh my God, <laughs> that's a chick. Not only is it a chick, it's a pretty good looking chick. <laughs> and she's playing fuck out of that guitar. You know? Nice. So anyway, so I immediately was just like, this, I got to get this. Yeah. So I went and I bought the record. This song is the first song off of that record. Mm-hmm. It, it's the opening song off of the record. And one of the, th- the things that I love about it is it, it's, it's kind of a little bit dark. Mm-hmm. It's got this real sultry, mysterious thing going on. And it's the song is called Black Beauty. Uh, it's obviously about a young lady who is probably living her life on the hard side of the tracks, so to speak. I think there's a, probably some um, drug references and some prostitution references in there yeah, <laughs> somewhere. Yeah, but anyway, funny. it's a, it's a song that's about, you know, a pretty bleak situation. Mm-hmm. The reason why I like it so much and one of the reasons why I fell in love with the band is because of the imagery involved. The guitar playing is amazing. Uh the singing is incredible, but there's just this groove to this thing where it's just really heavy and dark. And the B3 work, it's got this kind of real swirling thing going on. And it's just a, to me, I just, you know, immediately fell in love with the band. I love the whole record. It's one of those records that it fell through the cracks. Right. Their timing probably wasn't right. You know, they, they came along right around, they, you know, I think this record came out in 1994. So they were right there, you know, when grunge was really happening and blues rock was really sort of on the back burner. And, yeah. and then of course they're fighting an uphill battle cause it's fronted by two chicks right. playing in a rock band, you know, and, that's always been a recipe for great difficulty, unfortunately, yeah. in in rock and roll. Right. You know, women fronted bands have always had to work really, really hard to get over the hump. And I, you know, it, it's really a, a shame when you discover a band like that the honest way. I just showed mm-hmm. up at the gig and they came out and kicked my ass and I went and bought yeah. their record and fell in love with the record. And I wore this, I, I wore this record out. I, pl- I played this CD in my car so much that I had to get another one because I wore it out. It stayed in my player for like two years. Nice. And I just cruised listening to this record oh. all the time. And uh, so, you know, 
if you don't know about Mother Station, there's you can find it. You got to look real hard now because of just let's just face it, that's the way the world is. Yeah. Um, but if you look real hard, you can find their stuff, and and I very highly recommend your listeners to all everybody out there. Yeah. Take a listen and try to get a hold of some Mother Station, and this song is called Black Beauty.
are they still around? Uh, to my knowledge, they're they're not they're okay. not together. Uh, yeah. They they went their separate ways because it. I mean, it basically didn't work. Yeah, right. And uh, Susan went off and uh, is uh, still singing, doing background vocals. Uh, she's toured a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, been with a lot of different uh, national artists doing the background vocal thing. Gwen worked on a solo project. Uh, uh, a couple of years after that that I heard a little bit of it mm-hmm. uh, and um, and it was just all her I really think Gwen was really kind of the she was the catalyst of the whole band yeah, it yeah. was her vision and she's a great guitar player and, mm-hmm. and really I mean when you listen to it you know it's you'll you'll get a feel for yeah. the fact that she she painted in good colors right, as right a guitar on. player and that's part of the reason one of the things as a guitar player that I really love yeah. is somebody who finds interesting ways it does have you know I mean it's got its roots in blues rock and Aerosmith and sure. and, and you know a lot of that kind of, and they, they they have a, a really great version of um, of uh What's the song? It, I'm trying to remember what it is. It's um, uh, "Fool for a Pretty Face" oh, okay. by Humble Pie, and yeah. they do oh, nice. a, they do a version of that song that I actually like better than the original. Wow. That's, that's, that's a big feat to pull off it's a Humble a Pie cover feat. and well, say that she she they killed it, and 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 apparently they were huge Humble Pie fans, yeah. and and in particular uh, Susan was a huge Steve Marriott fan, and you can hear it yeah. in her vocals. You can hear it. She really does kind of sound a little bit like. Yeah, Steve Marriott. If he was a chick, I remember wow. KDF playing them. They did yeah. play back them a little back bit at the because time. because yeah. you know I mean they were they were local kind of they were from Memphis. Oh, they okay. So yeah. they had the local the Memphis Nashville kind yeah. of connections. So they were a Tennessee band. Yeah, and so yeah, they jumped on them a little bit. I think they played this song on there. I heard that on a couple of times and heard the Fool for a Pretty Face. And they oh, they had another uh, put the blame on me was a, was the song that that's was the one I remember. Single that yeah. was their single. But, that's the one I remember. But uh, this. This song, Black Beauty, you know, this uh, you know, this one's mean. And and that's I know, I, one of the reasons why I like it. Another right. shout out to two other female front of bands from that time, the Evan Roods. Oh yeah. Who I loved a lot back then. Mm-hmm. And uh Kay's Choice. Oh yeah. Absolutely. They were hmm. played regularly around yeah. here. And Fleming and John. Oh, I love oh. Fleming and John. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I saw them live like ten times. You know. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> cool. That's All right. cool. I'll check out more of that. So what's sure. song number two? Okay, uh, song number two. I think I'm gonna uh, go here with um, at my benefit show. One of the most <laughs> incredible uh, things that ever could have happened, as far as I'm concerned, uh, occurred. Um, I got a message not long before the show was to take place from uh, Mike Brignardello, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, known Mike for years. He's a an A-team Nashville session player, and he was uh, famously the bass player in a, a, a band called Giant. Yeah. And I got word that they were actually going to do something that they said that they would never do, and they reunited mm-hmm. solely for the purpose of playing that benefit gig. That's yeah. amazing. Blew my Mind who apart. spoiled it because it was supposed to be a surprise. I knew about it before. You know. he, he, oh, okay, he let the cat out of bed. Yeah, because you were supposed to not know until that night or yeah, like until no, they he, got on no, stage. He, he let he yeah. he did it. He actually contacted me on Facebook. I think he was so excited about it that he couldn't contain yeah. himself. Yeah. I figured it so would get he out. He kind of spilled it a little bit, but right I'm kind of glad he did because right. that probably drew a lot uh, of people. Otherwise, in. it would have. Yeah, I, I, that probably would have put me. 
I don't know what I'd have done. If I just <laughs> walked in and all of a sudden there's Dan Huff uh, up there playing. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> and I know Philip and Ryan helped put that together. Yeah, and yeah. and, and yeah. Uh, well, Ryan Warner, he's that he is. Um, I'm gonna tell you, he's. Uh, uh, you know, I've known I've known Ryan since he was about 12 years old, and he is. He and I have developed a, 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 a an amazing friendship, and he's done some. Really amazing things for me. I, I I love that boy a lot, and um, and he knew that you know one of my one of my idols was Dan Huff, mm-hmm. and he, you know, Ryan's kind of one of those guys. He's kind of quiet and kind of you know kind of unassuming, but he's a scheming little bastard too. <laughs> and he absolutely, you know, he made it happen. You know, he he made a few phone calls, and he's such a nice guy, and he's just like his dad, yeah. Steve. And and he's, you know, he he has a way to be able to, you know, relate to people in such a way that they go, yeah, you know, that would be a good idea. And he just called yeah. up Dan and Mike and said, you know, it would be really cool if you guys did this. And Dan said, well, we can't do it because I can't sing like that. And then they went out and found him a ringer <laughs> oh my god that guy was amazing yeah, yeah. the guy they got in there was <laughs> brian was, cole they he's were just, incredible that he, night. he's yeah he's amazing what a set of pipes on that guy yeah and he he more than did it justice you know yeah. it, was, it was it was incredible they seriously he, should do a record with that guy yeah i mean he was he's he's and such a nice guy too he's so nice he was such a great guy and um but anyway so uh, you know um Late 80s, uh, again, another band that, to be honest with you, their timing just didn't yeah. work out well for them. Um, and, but, you know, if they'd been, if, if Giant had come along five years earlier, they, they would have been bigger than Def Leppard, I think. They would have been Giant. They would have been Giant, yeah. <laughs> and, and, um, but it's, you know, I first heard um, this track when I was working at Tower Records. That was when I was, uh, you know, I guess this record came out in 1989. Mm-hmm. I was working at Tower Records, and the record came out, and, you know, it was kind of one of those things. Uh, um guy that I was working with uh, there, a guy named Chris Shellrude, who I think has his own podcast, if I'm not mistaken. I, I know he's got a radio show. He might have a podcast, too. He lives up in Minnesota now. But mm. anyway, Chris... Uh, turned me on to this and he said you got to hear this this dan huff you know and i said well who's dan huff i didn't know who dan huff was back then and i I didn't know anything about you know uh the his work in the contemporary christian field and i I didn't know about all that he just said you got to hear this guy and and so i heard this track and this is the first track off of their debut album Mm -hmm. um and um and he said, "Yeah, he's he, not only is he playing guitar, but he's 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 singing too." And I, I listened to the track; I couldn't believe it. The pipes the guy had, and let's just face it, his guitar playing is it, it is world class. Yeah. It is some of the best stuff ever. I, the, his phrasing, his as a guitarist, he he's definitely one of those guys that's it's like wow, you you can't even touch that because he's just. The whole package is just there. It's phrasing, it's feel, it's taste, it's tone, it's all those things that make guitar players great. Mm-hmm. Dan's got like 
triple helpings of all of it. Yeah. Right. And uh, the reason why I picked this track, it's uh, it's called Innocent Days. The reason why I picked this track is, A, it was the, the first song that I ever heard from Giant, mm-hmm. but also the guitar work towards the end of the song. Uh, you got to hang on to the end of the song, and you got to. They did a thing where the band starts to fade out, and what I envisioned and what I believe happened was Dan was playing some stuff that was so cool mm-hmm. that even though they faded the band out, they left the guitar track up on the fade so you could hear what Dan did, and mm-hmm. he does a couple of things at the tail end of this thing that just blew my mind and i i'm still i'm 51 years old and i'm still not over it <laughs> you know there's it right at the tail end he does this thing where he shifts gears he's like ripping 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 and all of a sudden he goes and he goes into this real legato thing that's like halftime and i'm like what was that? <laughs> you know, and, and it cemented him as one of my favorite guitar players of all time. All right on.
Well, that was a that was an amazing show that that they put on at, at your benefit concert. You know, and to have a guy that's pff, one of my heroes, really mm-hmm. one of my idols, um, stand there and say, "Hey, man, this is all for you." That was yeah beyond anything I could have ever imagined. Yeah, and when he was on stage playing, we were we were standing to the side and we had to kind of Abby and I kind of had to crawl into the VIP section mm-hmm. because Giant was playing and people kept coming up to me and wanting to, to shake put yeah. their arm around me and shake my hand and, you're and like, talk I want to me watch say, this. Hey, I want to talk. And I was just literally like get away from me. Let me I'm watch. trying to watch this. Yeah. I don't care about anything. Just let me watch this. Yeah. This is very important. I have to watch this. So yeah. we were standing in the VIP section and we were a little bit elevated yeah. as a result. It's like on the side. It's almost like yep. a little bleacher area. Yeah. And we're standing there and Dan's up there playing his ass off and he just keeps looking over at me. Yeah. And he just, you know, a couple of times he'd be playing and he'd look over at me and he'd put his he put his hand up on his heart and just look at me, you know. Wow. What are you gonna say about that? Yeah, you man. Know, that's to have amazing. one of your heroes actually basically look at you and say, I'm here for you. Yeah. That's awesome. That was a pretty un pretty unbelievable moment. Yeah. Great. And, and it just is a testament to uh Dan is not only one of the most amazing guitarists that I've ever Mm -hmm. heard about, and certainly to witness him stand there and do it, he's one of the most gifted guitar players that I've ever known about. And but to have him be who he is, he is such a humble guy. Yeah, you know when I've when I've encountered him and I've gotten to know him personally. Again, through my job, him and Mike, you know, uh, mm-hmm. they've come into Corner Music for years and years. They've been shopping there since before I was there. And yeah. to have to get to know him on a personal level and and to know just how down to earth and humble he is. And he's gone on to be, you know, I mean, he's the most unbelievable Nashville mega producer now he produces everybody yeah. and and he just you know he's he's done so much uh since giant ended and he came back to Nashville mm-hmm. um but yet he's just still this really humble guy i mean i and again a little story i was sitting in corner music one day and i'm just you know hanging out and one of the things i perk of my job is that when there ain't really nothing going on I'm gonna probably be sitting there with a guitar in my hands and I'm sitting there noodling on a guitar and in walks Dan Huff Mm -hmm. and he's kind of walking across the room and I just I saw him walking across and I kind of suddenly had a smirky idea and I I played that (laughs) intro lick from Time to Burn (laughs) I went and Dan's walking across the room and he all of a sudden stops and kind of does an about face and turns around and looks and I just kind of smiled and sort of waved and he walked over and he goes 
Todd, what are you doing? He said, man, that sounded awesome. I was like, like, hey, man, I'm probably not even close to getting it right. He goes, no, no, it sounded really good. He said, wow, man, I haven't tried to play that lick in years. Let me see. Let me see. And he pulls the guitar and he literally sat there and he goes, it took me a long time to get that lick right. And I was thinking, wow, at least he's human. Right. (laughs) And he stands there for a second. He plays the lick, kind of. And he's like, it's kind of a little bright, like a guy who hasn't played that lick in, you know, 15 years or something. And he, oh, yeah. Yeah, wait a minute. And I'm sitting there watching Dan Huff reconstruct it. I'm just like, are you shitting me? Wow. <laughs> you know, and he's just, but he was just so cool about it. He was like, man, yo, that sounded great. Yeah, you're playing it right, man. Wait, wait a minute. Yeah, that's right. You know, it's a very cool moment to be able to but share with somebody that's like your hero. Right. Of course. You know? Yeah. I mean, and how cool must that have been for him? He'd be like, Todd, you got to come with me everywhere. Play this everywhere I go. <laughs> it, was just, it was just so funny Intro because music. he was literally, time I he was literally beelining across the room, all the way across the room. He was beelining, you know, uh-huh. and then all of a sudden heard it the lick him. and just kind of went, Whoa, and he spun around. <laughs> like, That's I've me. heard that lick before. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> oh, know, man. So from that standpoint, you know, and he's just, he's always been such a humble guy. Yeah. And, and that's, that in its sense is amazing. I mean, Come on, man. You know, guitar players are full of huge egos. That's part. It kind of almost comes with the territory. Right. Not with that guy. Yeah. And it's it's such an amazing thing. Do you, right on. Do you know if the reunion show led to any spark of maybe something in the future? You know, I haven't heard. Yeah. I, and I, to be honest with you, knowing Dan, I kind of doubt it. Really? I mean, Dan... He it was a lot of fun for him and and he did kind of say at the end of it he was like oh this was pretty cool I didn't have to sing yeah he <laughs> you know, seemed, he seemed pl- like he was having a good he time was doing a great it great time yeah. because and and one of the things that I know was and from again from talking to him and from talking to to um, Mike over the years you know I'd pick their brain a little bit as mm-hmm. much as I felt like I could get away with yeah and Mike was a lot more forthcoming with than Dan. Dan's a little. He's a little. When it comes to giant, he's just he. He kind of is a little standoffish about yeah. it because because it didn't succeed the way he wanted it to. Right. And so he's kind of a little. You know, he's kind of like, man, eh, maybe I don't want to talk about that. But Mike, you know, he's real proud of the band, and so he'll. We've had a lot of great discussions, and once he knew that I was a big fan, it, we we had a lot of nice discussions, and mm-hmm. and he said that you know. Dan always struggled because he kind of became the singer by default. Yeah. They couldn't find a singer. So he just And then himself. one day it was just kind of like, well, you know, maybe I'll go in and sing the and and they all heard him sing and it was like the first time they heard him sing and everybody in the band went, "Oh my god. Yeah. You're an incredible singer. Yeah, why you are need we to be the singer." Somebody? And he was like, "But uh, wait, I don't want to do that." You know, it was kind of yeah, that thing. Right. And he always, I, I don't think Dan was ever really, really comfortable with being the front man and the singer of that band. So being able to just stand up there and play Boy, guitar yeah. and have, you know, Brian sing for him and be his mouthpiece, I think he really got off on yeah. it. Oh, yeah. I liked it. But, like, this is the way it was supposed to be. But I don't think that it's going to be something that they're going to really yeah. you know because i because the uh, the other x factor in there is david right. d- his brother the drummer you know they've kind of moved on with their lives mm-hmm. and they're kind of like eh, yeah you know, don't don't necessarily want to go back there because it you know and, and and truthfully i think you know knowing what i know about being in a band and playing in bands and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff is that the the 
the thing that would probably be worse than not ever getting there would be to get there and have it not work. Right. Right. And they were, again, their timing was just a little off. They yeah. got there late to the party, and by the time their second record came out, the grunge thing was in full force, and they just literally saw the writing on the wall. They were on the same record label as Pearl Jam, uh-huh. and they saw the record label was putting all their money into Pearl Jam, and they said, you know what? We just want to be let out of our deal. We just want to call right. it a day. Yeah. And, they, and they ended on their own terms, Right. but I do know from talking to them and getting to know them a little bit that it's a little thorn in their side because they loved that it was what they really wanted to do right dan didn't really want to be a mega session player or a mega producer he wanted to be in a band and play and write Mm -hmm. songs and do that he wanted to be an artist yeah yeah and it didn't quite you know it didn't it it did they didn't get over the hump right and so from that standpoint, I don't think that they're really eager to kind of like necessarily return to that. Yeah, Even though they have right. a, a legion of oh, yeah. underground mm-hmm. fans, you know, they it's a, I mean it's they're one of those bands that, you know, it's they've got their their sort of uh, they got a cult following. Yeah, yeah, very much a cult following. But, you know, that's not enough to sustain it. And let's face it, they're all making really good money doing oh, what yeah. they're doing. Yeah, right. yeah they're not, I'm you sure know, they're not and, hurting. And David and Dan, I mean, they got families, and they don't want to go out on the road and do yeah. that stuff. They can sit at home and make a lot of money just playing here. Yeah. You know, going uh, to the studio, doing their thing. Uh, I consider myself lucky to have been there. Oh, that me was, too. That was awesome. I had to burn down my house to get that. <laughs> 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 I'd like but, to see him again, but I'm not burning my house down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. it, it was almost worth it. <laughs> <That way. laughs> well, mm. you know, what mm. a thing, though. It's just, it still boggles my mind. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Next. Next. Yeah. Next one. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I am, uh, as has been at least a little bit publicized here lately. I am in a pretty amazing Prince tribute band. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have the extreme pleasure of being able to get on stage and recreate Prince's music. Um, and for a lot of your rock and metal guys that may not be into Prince, I'm just going to tell you as a guitar player, dude was no slouch. Yeah. Uh, and I can say that because I'm the guy that has had to work really, really hard to really recreate those parts. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to do it as much justice as I can, you know, in terms of learning the parts as accurately as I can and presenting it the best way I can. The whole band, after Prince died, we, you know, we'd been working on it for several months. I had Mm -hmm. joined them a few months prior to that, and we'd even had our first gig. And plug the band. What's the band The band is called Purple Masquerade. Yeah. And uh, you can find that uh, information about that band on Facebook. It's uh, Purple Masquerade TN, like Tennessee. Mm -hmm. Um, And we, you know, after Prince died, we were all kind of shell-shocked because we're huge Prince fans. Everybody in the band grew up listening to Prince and just idolized him and that kind of stuff. And we just sat down and all of us looked at each other and we were all in tears and it was like, what are we going to do? And after 
a few minutes it was obvious what we were going to do we're going to we're going to get on the horse and we're going to ride this sucker and we're going to we're going to do it right yeah so it's not a it's not something of you know well we're we we can go now there's a demand for it so we can go make money no we were doing it before that right, right. but we decided you know what if we're going to be a prince tribute band we're going to do it the right way and the right way is to present the music as accurately as we can put on a great show mm-hmm. but we're never going to have Prince there because right. you can't recreate that guy. No, but you can unless really, they do really, a hologram. But you can right. But you can really go to the wall right. with the musical side of it. Right. And so yeah. I've tried really, really hard to focus on what makes Prince tick as a guitar player. Um, you know the the Hall of Fame induction uh, from two thousand four when. When he played with uh, Jeff Lynn and Tom Petty, that was amazing. And literally yeah. tore the roof off the place. Yeah, he did. Um, he, you know, he that to me. Of course, it all depends on your perspective and how you feel and mm-hmm. whatever. And if you're not a Prince fan, you might kind of poo-poo it and go, "Oh, whatever." But to me, as a guitar player, that was one of the most inspired things that I had seen in years when he did it. Yeah. I mean, I I looked at that and it was just like, this guy just lit this place up. Yeah. And of course, I had um, a conversation with Bob Seeger, who actually came to to corner. No kidding. Uh, about two weeks after that induction happened, because he got inducted the same night. Uh huh. And he was looking for. He was in town recording, and he heard this amplifier that I had sold this guy that was playing on his session. Mm -hmm. And he said, where can I get one of those amps? And the guy said, go see Todd at Corner Music. So Bob Seeger comes in to Corner Music, and we're standing there talking. And I, you know, it had only been a couple of weeks. And I said, you know, congratulations on being inducted. He, oh, man, that was a great honor. And, you know, he said, you know, I retired to have kids. And so my kids had never seen me play. So that was the first night that they ever got to see me play. And it was a really special thing. And I said, yeah, it was a really great show, too. And he goes, yeah, fucking Prince. Woof. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, what do you mean? He said, man, he said, let me tell you something. He said, I've been to a bunch of those things. He said, you know, it's it's exactly like you would expect. It's a room full of these round tables. And everywhere you look, there's rock and roll dignitaries. There's the Stones over there. There's Led Zeppelin. There's the Heart Sisters. There's, you know, Iggy Pop sitting there. There's Chuck Berry. There's everybody's there. Right. And he said, and usually it's the same thing. They come out, they do the induction speech thing, and then the artist, if they're still alive, they come out and they do their obligatory four songs, and after they finish playing, everybody stands up and gives them the obligatory standing ovation. Right. Right. He said, dude, first things first, he said, when we walked in that day, they told us, Prince wants to go first. And I was like, damn, because I'm going to have to follow that. Yeah. And he said, so we just kind of sit back and go, okay, here we go. And he said, they came out, they did the induction thing, Alicia Keys did her speech, and then Prince comes out to play, and he said, the whole room stood up and walked to the front of the stage like a concert. Wow. And he said, the place just went berserk, and Prince is up there giving it 
everything he's got just killing it and he said the guy standing next to me was jumping up and down and like rubbing up against me and slamming into me and i was like damn it get off me he said and i turned and looked and it was mick jagger <laughs> and he and he was standing there going it's fucking prince mate <laughs> wow dude when you got the rolling stones shook up yeah. you're bad yeah. so wow. you know, whatever and he, he you know he, he said it was just you know he said the, he just lit the place on fire he said then we had to get up there and we were like old men dragging our legs around behind <laughs> right. us you know he said and then he said at the end the jam. they do the thing with the jam with the and they play oh, the wow. George Harrison song and he said literally he said people yeah. were falling out of their chairs Prince is literally he said I thought the roof was going to catch on fire he said I looked over and Bruce Springsteen was sitting on his chair with his head in his hands shaking his head going holy crap <laughs> you know I mean he just yeah. lit the place yeah. on fire wow and he just, you know, it, it, it was so funny to hear a rock legend yeah. talk about Prince and just say, dude, that whole other level. Right. Yeah. Whole other level. Yeah. And, and he stood in front of all those rock and roll icons and blew their doors off. Right. So whether you're a fan or not, yeah. you know, the proof's in the pudding oh, right yeah. there. Right. And yeah. Bob Seger don't lie. He ain't never lied. <laughs> Wow, <laughs> he don't lie. That's amazing. He's a beautiful loser. He don't. That's right. <laughs> so yeah, following Prince is like running against the wind. Oh, it's definitely. Yeah, actually, you're gonna get this. Get this. I know I'm getting off into storyland again, but no. you guys can edit whatever no, it's you want. Fun, to. please. But, but let me all tell you, the, the best part of that whole thing was he told me that afterwards. After the induction, they have like a little kind of reception that's like VIPs only. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, when the uh, the Football Hall of Fame, all the guys mm-hmm. in the jackets. Yeah. Well, everybody that's been inducted gets in, inv- invited to this, you know, uh, reception and all the former people that are already in the hall, the Stones, Led Zeppelin, all of them, they're all there. Yeah. And he said... I'm, this is Seeger talking, and he says, he says, I'm standing there, and he said, we're in this room, and he said, I'm standing in a semicircle with Bruce Springsteen, The Edge from U2, Joe Perry, Jimmy Page, and I think he said Billy Idol or somebody like that. Yeah. And he said, we're standing there, semicircle of us, drinks in our hand. We're all just kind of standing there talking and hanging out. And he said, across the room... There's this blue velvet couch, and Prince is sitting on the arm of the couch, mm-hmm. and he's just kind of sort of messing with the sleeve of his coat, you know, just kind of bored looking, you know, he's got like this frilly sleeve hanging out of his coat, and he's just kind of kind of, sort of rolling his eyes and kind of sitting there by himself, and he said, Prince's people kind of formed like this kind of barricade sort of around, so nobody was really going up and talking to him because yeah. Prince was very, very shy. Yeah. Apparently that was like a real issue with him that he was not comfortable in those settings with a lot of famous people and stuff. He wasn't a hobnobber. Yeah. He wasn't a schmoozer. He was just really quiet and very shy. And, you know, not... And yeah, he was kind of weird, but he was also just really very self-effacing and very just kind of really kept to himself so his people kind of were sort of forming this kind of bear so you got these guys you know Paige Joe Perry Bob Seger all these icons the Edge Bruce Springsteen and they're all standing there with their drinks in their hand and he said he said all of a sudden we were all he said I looked around and we were all staring at Prince not saying a damn thing we were just kind of drinking our drinks (laughs) 
looking at Prince. And he said, I remember looking over at Bruce Springsteen and Springsteen looks over at me and he kind of shrugs his shoulders like, mm, you know, <laughs> and he said, we're, so we're standing there and we're all just kind of not really saying anything. We're all staring at Prince. And then all of a sudden he said, Jimmy Page says, you know, it kind of right pisses me off. And he said, I looked at him and I said, what pisses you off, Jimmy? And he says, well, here we are. We all get up there and we look and sound like old guys. And he looks and sounds like he fucking did in 1984. <laughs> and they all busted out laughing. And, and he said, when we started laughing, all of a sudden Prince looked over at us and he saw us all laughing. Oh, no. And he thought we were, he said, for a split second, his eyes kind of got real big like we were laughing. And we were all like, no, 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 no. We're not laughing at you. We're laughing at us. <laughs> <laughs> he said, Prince just kind of looked at him, kind of glared at him, and then looked down, you know. <laughs> wow. But, wow. But he said, yeah. When you got the dude from Led Zeppelin basically going, okay, I'm an old fuck next to that guy. Right. <laughs> you know. Wow. That's crazy. It's really funny. So anyway, back to the song. Yeah, what okay. song are we playing? <laughs> what song are we doing? Well, what I did was I decided, I decided, okay, the Decibel Geek, you yeah. know, podcast and all the rock and the metal guys and everybody that's out there listening. Well, if you don't believe that Prince could play his ass off on the guitar, I'm getting ready to show you that he could. This is a live track that was taken from that last run of uh Arsenio Hall shows that he did a mm -hmm. few years ago. Yeah. And this was when Prince was had his all-girl band, Third Eye Girl, playing with him. Yeah, mm -hmm. they rock. And it was basically just that it was two guitars, bass, and drums. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I like he's, that. And he's playing a Prince classic that's uh, She's Always in My Hair. Whenever I feel like giving up Whenever my sunshine turns to rain Whenever my hopes and dreams Ain't in the wrong direction She's always there
discussed that on the show before, talking about Prince and how you know people don't really recognize him as being the amazing guitar player he is because he was like that '80s pop icon, right? Yeah, but he, there I was mean, so the much guy imagery really, involved. Yeah, yeah. and when that happens, so much. And not only that, but because he was such a multi instrumentalist and right. did so many things, mm-hmm. he played piano. I mean, if you ever saw Prince play live. You would understand that guitar wasn't even his best instrument. Right. Yeah. Piano. He he sat down behind that piano, and it was like a cross between Little Richard and Liberace. I mean, that guy mm. had chops that yeah. were just amazing. He was like a jazz musician. Right. But then would turn it on its head and just play like you know Little Richard's you know right unbelievable kind of stuff. And but I think that because he could play. Every instrument he could play the play keyboard so well, he could play yeah. guitar so well, he could play bass so well. I mean, he could literally outplay every person in his band on their instrument, right? And oh. as a result, it kind of put him in this whole different stratosphere of of you know what a musician does and is. And so he wasn't just identified with that guitar, right? Yeah. I think later on in his career he kind of became more of the guitar player yeah. and and it, he when you saw him perform more often than not he had the guitar on and he wasn't yeah. doing as much of the bouncing around from instrument to instrument yeah. but i really think that, that that has a lot to do with the perception and right. you know that the MTV pop icon the videos and coming out of the bathtub and right. <laughs> you know, yeah. smoking the mirrors and all well, and a stuff. lot of it was a lot of the focus was on his dancing because of oh, the yeah. rivalry with michael jackson and, he, and, oh, yeah. and, and that's uh, yeah it's, it's, i forgot to mention so they that. kind you of know, made him one-dimensional in the press yeah but but his dancing was yeah. incredible oh, you was. Know? i mean yeah. he, he could he could flat dance like james brown very you know? sure and so when you had so many things that he could do i don't think it was ever really focus, focused on very yeah. much right and i also as a guitar player i have to say I think that from where he started early in his career to where he ended up, he really became a great guitar player later on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He started off and he could play. Yeah. But as time went on, it was like he got better and better and better and better. And then you get to the Hall of Fame induction and yeah. he tears the roof off the play. Then you get to the Super Bowl and he yeah. just blows that That apart. Super Bowl halftime show was, awesome. was mind-blowing. Yes. And I'm not even a giant Prince fan, but even I I was like, that. you can't argue this. How can you? No, because yeah. he went out there and just wailed on that guitar. Yeah. Yes. And, and and this track just, you know, I mean, that that pretty much, you know, he's, he's killing it. You yeah. Know? And some of it, some of the guitar work is Donna Granthus, who was playing with him in Third Eye Girl. But, mm-hmm. but you know, you can tell which parts are Prince, and he's just he's just an amazing guitar player. It's a real heavy slamming track, so that's yeah. why. I picked yeah, it. Nice. and uh, work and real fast work. Plug Purple Masquerade again, real quick. Okay, uh, the um, the best way to see the schedule and to see what's going on with Purple Masquerade is to get on Facebook and just search Purple Masquerade TN, like okay. Tennessee. And you know you'll find out you know show dates and see some videos and some photos and there's a few there's some things on YouTube if you uh, if you if you look search for them there's some live videos we we frequently when we play you know people mm. from the crowd will post videos and stuff and there's right been on. some recent videos from some of our shows awesome cool so you get to see me doing my Prince thing a little bit very cool yeah nice right. they, like they 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 there was a lady at one of the shows that was. Uh, 
the guy that, that is our prince, his name is Elridge Cavett. And Elridge is just this amazing performer. But mm-hmm. here's the thing. Elridge can sing and he can dance and he looks like Prince and he sounds like Prince, but he doesn't play guitar. Mm-hmm. I'm the one who does all the heavy lifting on the guitar parts. Well, anyway, so after the show, you know, they always want to take pictures with him because he's dressed up like Prince. Right. And this older black lady had her arm around him and she was she was getting pictures made with him and she said, where white chocolate at? <laughs> I want a picture with white chocolate. <laughs> so they've nicknamed me White Chocolate. Nice. <laughs> I think I like that better than Toddzilla. <laughs> oh, so oh. can I change this to six songs, White Chocolate? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. Uh, All the listeners would be like, who the hell is this? She said, and she was like in her 70s or something. She went, where White Chocolate at? I want a picture with him. Nice. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> God. You, yeah. ne- you never <laughs> fail to entertain. Oh, All right. Man. All right. So what do you got next? Okay. Next. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm yet again, I touch on a lot of my influences on things. Um, another extremely underrated guitar player, uh, the Reverend himself. Mr. Billy Gibbons. Oh, yeah. Okay. Ain't nobody going to argue with what ZZ Top's done. No. But uh, my favorite ZZ Top record Mm -hmm. is actually from a time where they had kind of already peaked and Mm -hmm. then kind of, let's just say that they weren't necessarily in fashion at this moment. Okay. Uh, Early... Again, I guess mid '90s. Mm-hmm. This record came out. It was a record called Rhythmine. Yeah, yeah. that's a great album. It that is a great nobody album. Nobody knows and, about. And it, it is to me, it is one of Billy's best in yeah. terms of his guitar playing. He just really found a groove. I think you know they'd been through the Eliminator and and all the stuff where you know obviously the the legacy is Easy Top is huge. They yeah. start off and they're this little three piece blues band out of Texas, and they right. were really you know their first album was just really blues based, and for a long time that's kind of was their bread and butter, yeah. and and they, but they were kind of this sort of quirky blues band they would do things that in the arrangements and stuff that would kind of turn it in ways that you wouldn't expect you know like cheap sunglasses and things like that where you you got these arrangements where it turns on a dime and you go where'd that even come from but at the heart of it was billy's guitar playing right always well then they get into you know the the 80s mtv phase and where they really hit it big with sharp dressed man and legs mm-hmm. and all that stuff and you got all the synthesizer stuff and the sequencing stuff yep. is happening and they turned they really turned into you know billy was experimenting with a lot of dance music and you know admittedly of course some of the old diehard zz fans were probably pretty pissed off and yeah. talked about that yeah. i got to imagine you know where they gained this mass popularity they're Fan base from you know the little old yeah. man from Texas kind of was like, what's this shit? You know, right. what happened to Lagrange? Right, yeah. right. So for a while they could, but the cool thing about it is Billy being who he is, he's always in the state of evolving. Right. You know? Well, around this time when this record came out, it was time to turn back to their roots, and that's exactly what he did. But he didn't lose. It's kind of like he took all of the best parts from. The little old band from Texas and yeah. the MTV giant music machine, yeah. and kind of fused them together, and 
the cool thing about ZZ Top is no matter what, they find a way to make it sound like ZZ Top. They're one of those bands, one of those iconic bands that can do that. Not every band can do that. Mm-hmm. And and even when they're dabbling in the dance mix stuff, it still sounds like ZZ Top. And then when they got to this record, to Rhythmine, it was like they had distilled it down to its essence. Yeah. And it's some of the greasiest. It's like Billy decided he was going to go back and, and, and go to some juke joints and eat some greasy hamburgers again. <laughs> and that's exactly what it sounds like to me. Yeah. Uh, some of the best tone at guitar wise, mm-hmm. just, I mean, it's ferocious. It's deep. It's fat. It's just drips. Yeah. And this is the title track off of the album. And, uh, you know, I think that this is Billy Gibbons at his finest. And uh, this one is called Rhythmine. All 
right, before we get back into our awesome conversation with Todd Zilla, man, is he turning us on to some cool music this week. Definitely. We got to take care of a little decibel geek business. And, you know, we talk about what all the cool stuff we got going on around all the time. We tell you about the VIP. We tell you about decibelgeek.com. I mean, just stop and think about decibelgeek.com for a minute. We've got writers from all over the planet that are truly passionate about the music that we love. These are the people that are going to concerts. They're getting the CDs before they even come out. The new albums by your favorite bands, they've got them before they're even released. And they're writing up reviews so you know what to expect when it comes time to spending your money on Amazon to get your favorite artists in their new music. You know, get the heads up from the guys at decibelgeek.com. Cool stuff going on. And if you care about your hard rock and classic metal and you want to be up on things, decibelgeek.com is the place to go. I beg you, go check it out. You'll be glad you did. Yeah, always something to read. Of course, the YouTube channel's doing great. Right? Rock and Run, putting up stuff all the time. He's doing a great job. Every Mother's Nightmare Central. Yeah. Yeah, if you got friends that love the Every Mother's Nightmare, you got to turn them on to the Decibel Geek TV YouTube channel because that's where the action's at. Live shots from all over the world. I mean, yep. we talk we talk about our writers that go out you know, in different places around the entire planet and go to concerts and send back the word. But mm-hmm. there's also awesome photographers yeah. and you know, videographers out there getting the live footage. And Decibel Geek TV on the YouTube is yep. where you're going to find it all. You can lose yourself on that page, yeah. in that channel. You go in there and start looking up some of your favorite bands, and you're going to find awesome live footage. Yep. And you could, I could spend hours... Looking oh, at Decibel Geek TV, <laughs> for sure. Me too. Yeah, Decibel Geek. So just go to DecibelGeek.com. That's the hub for everything. And totally. It's turned into a mini-headed beast. Right. And then we got our Facebook page. Adam Cox is running the show over there Doing for a us. great job. Awesome stuff going on in there. I'm seeing more polls. I'm seeing more people mm-hmm. getting interactive about the things we're talking about here on the show. Yep. And it's just great, man. That's the place to go to you know interact with your fellow Decibel Geeks. You know yep. The people that love hard rock and classic metal the way we do. Join the brotherhood and the sisterhood at Facebook for our Decibel please, Geek and, podcast and yeah, page. The interactive part on the show stuff, please, guys, because as a friend of mine that's also a podcaster said, putting out a show every week and not getting any response is feeling feels like you give out Christmas gifts and nobody thanks you for them. <laughs> so please respond to the post where we put an episode up because it makes us know that you're uh, – we know you're listening because we right. see the numbers, but it's like we'd like to know what you think of the episode. Right, yeah. yeah so totally. we appreciate it. Sorry have you got, have you got yourself a Decibel Geek t-shirt yet? What are you waiting for? Yeah, guaranteed to get you laid. Every time. All right, so uh, – we got some Amazon purchases. Yeah, because that's awesome. Because we want you to do your shopping through Amazon, which you're already doing. So why not do it through our website? Go to decibelgeek.com. Click on the Amazon banner. Do all your shopping on Amazon. Doesn't cost you anything extra. Blah, 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 blah. You know the story. You know how this goes. Just help us out. Doing your shopping anyway. Hey, the list. All right. So we got a list of what you buy. Some of the more interesting, and we got you guys did good this week, and some of the more interesting purchases this week. Some music gear was bought. An Ibanez TS9 Tube Screamer Classic pedal was bought. I used to have one of those. Those yeah. are great pedals. A Tech 21 Sans Amp Bass Driver Deluxe was bought. A Marshall Logo T-shirt, medium. That'll get you laid, too. Absolutely. A Glitz Home Amber Crackle Tall Glass Pumpkin was bought. Happy Halloween. And a son- Ooh, we got a scary one coming for you next week. Oh, yeah. And a Sonic Generation Sonic the Hedgehog costume in large was bought. Nice. <laughs> 
except for Ron Jeremy. All right. And uh, in, in books, Kiss and Sell, The Making of a Supergroup was bought. Which One of the greatest Kiss books ever written. And uh, the new Lynn Goldsmith Kiss 1977 to 1980 book was purchased. Have you heard about this one? Uh-uh. Lynn Goldsmith, pretty famous rock photographer, and she did some of some of the more iconic Kiss photos from the late seventies. Yeah, like oh, do you remember the the clip of them on uh, NBC's Land of the Hype and Glory on the Love Gun tour, where the you know they, it's like Jingle, what a way to make a living, and they're being yeah. interviewed by the guy on stage and everything. Right. The where you remember the female photographer shooting photos of them on stage? Uh-huh. That's Lynn Goldsmith. Oh, okay, cool. So it's a it's a cool photo book that she just put out with of just oh, her yeah. kiss stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. So there's probably a lot of stuff you've never seen before in there too. Oh, I sure. would bet. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, somebody went on a uh, '80s movie binge and bought Valley Girl, Made to Order, Once Bitten, and All the Right Moves. Those are great movies. I've seen all four. Oh of those. yeah, me too, totally. And in music, gag, gag me with a spoon. Right, and in music, Within Temptation, The Unforgiving. We've played them on the show. The John Spencer Blues Explosion, Bell Bottoms. Cool. Black Country Communion, Afterglow was bought. See, I like that. I like yeah. it when like you see something repetitive like that. We but should actually play them on the really show. Really good. <laughs> Quiet Riot, a couple of purchases. Condition Critical and QR3 was bought. Right on. Tom Petty, Full Moon Fever was purchased. Yeah, rest in peace, Tom Petty. I mean, we haven't had a chance to say it. Maybe sometime down the line, and here's something I know we could do. What? The heavier side of Tom Petty. Is there a heavier side? There is a heavier side of Tom Petty. Okay. I'm sure. He's got plenty to choose from. There's plenty of great songs. Yeah. Uh, Every Mother's Nightmare, the Wake Up Screaming album was purchased. That was came back That's cool. in 93, I think. Uh, and then somebody went on some Kiss shopping. They like Rock and Roll Over, Creatures of the Night, Lick It Up, and Animalize. Man, it warms my heart to see so many people out there supporting rock and roll with their hard-earned dollars and also helping us out at the same time. We thank you for your purchases and... Uh, Ready to get back to Toddzilla? Yeah, man, he's he's killing it so far, and I can't wait to hear the rest. I got that when I was looking at beefing up the my ZZ Top collection. I wanted right. to get get it all on the right. CD. And Rhythmine was one that I just really never knew about. You know, didn't really catch it when it was new. Mm-hmm. And then all these years later, picked it up and I was like, okay, well, I guess 90s. I wonder what ZZ Top was. Holy shit. You know, yeah. this is, it is one of the best ZZ Top albums. And yeah. you, you yeah. got to put it up there with the early stuff. You yeah. know, that's it really, really good. Very much so. And, and the production on it is just, phenomenal yeah. the guitar sounds are it's he does some of the craziest stuff i mean he i i remember reading a, a um an interview with him a, around that time and he said yeah we, we we have this one track and i can't remember which song it was i think it was the the last song on the record i think it was humbucking part two and he says well, yeah we got it we got a guitar sound on there that well it just sounds broken <laughs> and it does it sounds like the guitar is literally about to just come apart at the seams it sounds oh, like yeah. the amp is just on fire yeah. it's just like falling apart you hear it just kind of going <laughs> but it works yeah. in the context of the song and he just you know it to me it was like billy getting back to the essence of okay i want to really play guitar again yeah. yeah and he just was it was ferocious you know to me that just the overall feel of it just that there's just so much cool stuff on that record 
Right. And you got to figure out that time, too. You know, they're not tied to any trends because it doesn't really matter oh, what he, they do. Yeah, he, they don't have to care. They, right. they are really at that level where yeah. they can do exactly what they want. Right. And, you know, they have done it long enough that they know what a ZZ record should be. Yeah. But they also don't want to just sit still. Right. And, you know, you have to respect that. You'd have to look at the fact that, you know, I mean, I dare say it that if they hadn't gone into that mm. sharp dressed man legs phase, they may not still be around today. Right. Probably. No, not. I Probably agree. Be. If they had if yeah. they had looked at what was going on with MTV videos yeah. and gone, Yeah, that ain't us and they just I mean, how many seventy how many early seventies bands oh. Didn't make that transition. Right. Oh yeah, MTV you know, killed yeah. most. Peter of them. Frampton never got on MTV, dude. Okay, no. you know they. A lot of them, you know, they didn't make that transition. And Billy Squire wishes he hadn't. Well, Billy Squire <laughs> just wishes he hadn't worn pink. Yeah, you know, I mean, oh, that video. Well. But you know, he was so great. You know, <laughs> I know it I sucks because he was. Squire. Yeah, he was fantastic <laughs> yeah. before that video hit. And I was like, what are you thinking? Well, anyway. <laughs> it's a bad direction. Yeah. You know? Billy, yeah. like, Billy just needs a guitar in his hands. Yeah, yeah just, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, cocaine's a hell of a drug. <laughs> really, is. somebody thought. You know, actually, a whole maybe crew if we, of people uh, thought. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, hold, on, hold on, Maybe if we, uh, you know, uh, wear this pink shirt and this yeah. pink guitar and roll around in these sheets, and man, that would be pretty awesome. No, no, should have done that. Should have done it. Should have done that. Poor Billy Squire. You know, yeah, poor Billy Squire. Yeah, but anyway, but, uh, for every for every ZZ top, there's, there's a Billy Squire. Well, yeah, you know, the, the whole thing Squire. is what I was saying is they've embraced they embraced it. Oh, and they, they were genius. They grew right. and yeah. they changed. Yeah, and they therefore because of Billy's desire to take from other elements and add to his music yeah. that elongated their career and elevated them to a whole different level. Absolutely. Right. Because at that time you know. they don't just evolve as a band, but they almost create a, almost a whole new genre of music right. because, you know, mixing ZZ top with the dance beats and stuff like that, there was nothing else out there that well, was like that. Let's, let's face it. I was very young at the time. You guys were mm-hmm. really young at the time, but, when Led Zeppelin came out with a record that sounded like reggae, there was a lot of people <laughs> screaming about that. Yeah. Now you go back and you listen to that record, and it's one of their biggest classics, yeah. and yeah. people love it. And it's one of the things that made them. There, it, it just showed that they had deeper pockets. Right. Same mm-hmm. thing with ZZ Top, and yeah. Billy came full circle. Yeah. And when he got back to Rhythmine, all of a sudden it was like, oh. Yeah. Now this thing is really it's big as a sledgehammer. Yeah. And we have all of this these colors that we can paint with because we've dabbled in this dance stuff and we've mm-hmm. done this and we've done that. So now let's smash it all together and the end result was just like this massive big fat ass blues record. Yeah. You know? I highly recommend it. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Go out and get yeah. it. He yes. still uh he still takes chances of did you hear his playing on the new Alice Cooper album? Oh yeah. I mean he you yeah. know, he's he he is a real musician. And yeah. a real musician is somebody who never stops growing. Right. And, you know, again in my conversations with him, he's a very deep guy. He's not just gonna be some guy who's just gonna sit around and, you know, play Lagrange the rest right. of his life. He yeah. wants to push the envelope and take chances and you know you've noticed over the last few years he's done a solo record he's been performing with other people he you know from what i understand the contract that they had for a long time with their with their manager 
prohibited them from doing anything outside of ZZ Top. And Billy was very frustrated by that because he wanted to collaborate with other people. Yeah, right. Now you see that he is doing that and he's having a blast. Yeah. He is so happy, yeah. you know, and, you know, he can keep on going as long as he wants. Yeah, uh, of any of any rock star that should start a podcast, I think he's one of them. Yeah, because every interview I hear him, and I'm like, God, this guy's so fucking fascinating to listen to talk. And you know, he's like that in real. I believe life. it. That's yeah. just who he is. It's yeah. not an image. You know, you 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 get to a a point in a conversation with him where you just go, okay, first of all, this guy's smarter than everybody in the room. Yeah, and he also is really funny and yeah. really. Just he has he invented cool. He is that. He, is totally he just cool. is that. Yeah, it's man. not an image. Yeah. It just it's who he is. He talks like that. He walks like that. He, that is just him. And you know, I mean, we walked into. I was hanging out with him, and he, he said, "Let's go down here to this little place. It was Broadway Brew House down mm-hmm. on Division Street." Down yeah, there. I've been there. And uh, and he said, "Let's go down there and." and grab something to eat and I was like, okay sure so we we walk down there and and we walk in and damn if cheap sunglasses ain't playing on the thing <laughs> yeah. and, you know we just walk in and the guy behind the counter just looks up and his eyes get real big and he's just like step stop dead in his track and when we walked in you know it's like and Billy just looks at me and he kind of shakes his head points up in the, and squints his eyes and kind of goes yeah You're a cartoon character. You carry your music around with you everywhere yeah, you go. I mean, yeah. it's just like what you oh, know. Wow. Just and but that's who he is, man. He's just he's that guy. That's cool. You know, and he he loves being Billy. That's the main thing. Yeah, he's very humble and very 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 warm and very you know anybody that approaches him, he's very cool and but he's all he's just laid back, total Texas. Yeah, yeah. but. He loves being Billy. He enjoys being who he is better than any famous person I ever met. Right on. You know, he's cool. Something we could all aspire to. I, only to be that guy. Yeah. Awesome. Wow. <laughs> all right. So, all right, so what okay. do you got up next? All right. The next one, I'm going to go in a different direction. This is one of my favorite guitar pieces of all time. It is probably one of the most flabbergasting pieces of music as a guitar player that I've ever heard. Um, and it completely, to me, encapsulates everything that the guy is about. Um, Jeff Beck is, bar none, he's an alien. He's from another planet. <laughs> he's, he is, his approach to guitar is completely and utterly unique. Mm-hmm. And there's nobody that can touch him at what he does. You can't. You nobody else is even in the game. Talk about somebody who just continually pushes the envelope, grows, mm-hmm. doesn't stay in one spot. Jeff is never going to stand there and just play his hits. Yeah, you know he's always going to be going in different directions and taking chances. And when I first heard uh, this track. Um, I can truthfully say that the the record that this track is on is Guitar Shop, mm-hmm. and you know it came out in again in 1989 was a very good year. 
Um, it, it, this was the one of definitely for me was one of those moments that, as my development as a guitar player, I literally changed directions when I heard this record. I was headed down one path as a player and had my skill set and my bag of tricks and my thing that I did yeah. and that I was developing and honing and I was headed in this direction. And when I heard some of the things that Jeff Beck could do with a tremolo bar mm-hmm. on a Stratocaster, I just said, okay, I, I got work to do. And it changed the direction of the way that I play as a, as a musician and this track in particular, um, when I heard it, I just said, I got to learn how to do that. Um, this song is called Where Were You? And I think, uh, from what I understand, it was Jeff's um, homage to Bulgarian folk music. In that Bulgarian folk music, the instrumentation, there's a lot of ethereal kind of stuff, and 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 the vocals that they do is a lot of uh, very operatic mm-hmm. kind of uh, trills and and um, melody lines that that are you know I mean obviously based on you know a lot of religious music and that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. um, and Jeff decided I'm going to make my guitar sound like a human voice. And to me, it's probably one of the most moving and um, amazing, just, you know, here I am speechless. It's, it's one of the most moving and amazing displays of somebody stepping outside of the box mm-hmm. and saying, I, I'm not going to uh, let myself be fettered by the stereotype of what this instrument how this instrument is supposed to be played right Jeff's painting in colors that the rest of us didn't even think of and uh, so you know I uh, every time I hear this I just I get goosebumps and I gasp and I just can't believe how um, I can't believe how emotional it is you know it's a very sparse piece there's nothing but Jeff and a keyboard, and but the arrangement is amazing.
That's cool, man. You can't go wrong with Jeff Beck. I was fortunate enough to see him at the uh, Beale Street Music Festival in uh, 2010. Mm-hmm. Right? It was the night that the flood started to hit. Oh, wow. And it hit Memphis first. Mm-hmm. And uh, But it was still dry when Jeff Beck played. And I think I saw the weirdest one-two concert punch in history. It was Jeff Beck, and then Limp Biscuit followed him. Wow. Wow. Okay. And it started raining when Limp Biscuit came on stage. So I blame the flood of 2010 on Limp Biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> if Jeff Beck had just kept playing, nah, we all would have been okay. Yeah, that was that was just God trying to fix it. I was gonna say. <laughs> if we drown him, and then shut up. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff Beck left the stage, Limp Biscuit came on, and God cried. Yeah. A yeah. lot. A lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, and Jesus wept. <laughs> but yeah, but you're right. I mean, for like three it was, days straight. But it was uh, it was a crowd full of people, including myself, that were just kind of slack jawed at like, how is he doing that? And like, I mean, I kept staring at what he was playing. And like, I gotta imagine there's a lot of frustrated guitar players in his wake that have tried to to master what he does. I saw him play at the Ryman. Did you? Okay. And he did that night. He did. Uh, Two things he did: "Day in the Life" by the Beatles. Oh wow, unbelievable! And of course, his guitar is singing the melody. Yeah, right. You know, it's just like what really? <laughs> and then he did "Somewhere Over the Rainbow," and oh, wow. I literally did. Zilla wept. I yeah. did. I really cried. Yeah. I literally had tears rolling down my face. I couldn't believe how good it was. Yeah, and then. I'm walking. We were sitting in the upstairs part of the balcony, you know? Yeah. And, you know, you go up in the very back, and then you walk across mm-hmm. the very back end. And, it's, and as I was walking out, uh-huh. who do I run into but Dan Huff? Oh, no kidding. Right on. Dan Huff. And he just looks at me and shakes his head. <laughs> and he says, what do you do with that? <laughs> and I said, practice? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and he said, Yeah, I think I better. <laughs> what you gonna do? You know? Right. That's yeah. great. And the countless, countless guitar players Jeff Beck's influenced over the years. Well, I mean, he's just, and again, you know, it's kind of, he's just one of those guys that it's just, the the thing is he influences you but you but you can't hope to catch him right you can't right. even hope to 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 be able to do that you know i mean i i you know i'll hey i'll 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 be i'll throw my hat in the ring and say you know i learned that piece it's very very difficult to do i mm-hmm. played it at that uh, benefit show mm-hmm. yeah it's a very difficult piece to do it's taken me Almost thirty years <laughs> to be able to play it. Wow! You know, I mean, it came out in nineteen eighty nine. It's yeah. now two thousand seventeen. You know, yeah. and I play. Yeah, I played it. Yeah. You know, I still didn't play it right. <laughs> you know, still didn't get it perfect. You know, but the, but the truth is, you know, it's just it, he is inspiring. What's inspiring is that he he's unique and he's not in a box and he pushes the envelope. And he makes you think in different ways than you maybe thought of before. You know, I mean, I heard this great story about a buddy of mine that um, actually was uh, this old British guy. And he he saw Jimi Hendrix in when Jimi Hendrix first came to London. Yeah. 
And he told me this story about going to see him play. We heard about him and he was going to play on the Friday night. So we go down and we see him play. And he, you know, blew their doors off. They, and, he, and my buddy was said he was standing in the back of the room with just slack-jawed, you know, and he just couldn't believe what he saw. He said it was like standing in front of a jet plane taking off. It was so loud. But he said it was just amazing. So then they decided to go back the next night. And he said, I ended up standing in the same spot only <laughs> and with my jaw on the floor. And he said, but this time I looked around and I – had the presence of mind to look around me to see what the rest of the crowd was doing. And he said, to my right was Eric Clapton. (laughs) And he was standing there slack-jawed. And to my left was Pete Townsend, and he was standing there slack-jawed. And I looked behind me, and Jeff Beck was standing there smoking a cigarette, kicking the table, going, son of a bitch, motherfucker. (laughs) So that's Jeff. He was just like, oh, now i got to go back and do something completely different. (laughs) Right. Because he's competitive, but he's also thinking outside the box. The other two guys were just like, oh, God, what do I do? I'm dead. But Jeff was like, fuck, back to the drawing board. Right. (laughs) So when you got a guy like that, you know, he's always going to be a step ahead of everybody else. Right on. That's yeah. cool. That's amazing. Love Jeff. He's the best. Right He's on. Just the best. I like that. Can't, can't nobody touch him. Well, we're through five. So before we intro your last one, because that'll be the playout song. Okay. Want to thank you for doing this again. Yeah. Oh, thank you. And of course, want to give you an opportunity to promote whatever you would like to promote right now. I know we did Purple Masquerade, but also you have other projects. Well, you know, Jones World is out there, and yeah. on cameras out there, and you know we're. Uh, Hey, original music is really hard to do these days. Yeah. People are just, you know, you know, it's it's a really tough road to hope. I, and I have, I can't really figure out can't really put my finger on why it is the way it is exactly, but it it just is that thing. People I think my theory is that we've become as a society we've become so instant gratification oriented and people are so attached to these phones that they're all carrying around right. and sticking their face in and and i think that people don't necessarily have the attention span anymore to be able to invest in learning a new artist's music right yeah okay so they rely heavily on the things that they already know and the things that they've already heard and love and they just keep going back to that because it's safe and it's secure. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I wanted to go out and I wanted to discover this new band and immerse myself in learning all these new songs, all these new lyrics, all this whatever, that's going to take time. That's going to take effort. It's going to take, you know, sure. and that, I just think we're so fast paced as a society now that people just don't necessarily want to invest the time to do it. Yeah. Right. It's not like getting a record or a cassette or even a CD and putting it in and listening from track one all the way through and mm-hmm. reading the lyrics in the booklet or the sleeve and looking at the pictures and stuff like that. Those days are gone. I think so. It's unfortunate. And I, and I also think that the format, because mm-hmm. everything is like MP3 now and every, mm-hmm. every you know everything is... It's it's like it it's floating around in the ether, but you can't actually touch it. Right. You can't. Yeah. You could you could touch a record. You you put it on the platter. You put the needle on it. You could take t- take a CD out and look at the CD and put it in the player. Right. And there was a physical aspect to it yeah. that is now gone. You put you stream some damn music onto your iPod and then you put your buds on and you press play and you sit there and mm-hmm. zone out. It's not the same experience. 
and I think that it, there's there's something that's been kind of lost in the translation, unfortunately. Mm, right. And I think you know that's a, the thing Gene Simmons is talking about. Rock is dead and all this stuff. I, mm. What I think, and you know, he's kind of, you know, Gene's all about blunt force trauma when it yeah. comes to those kinds of things. Yeah. But the, but the truth is, I think what he's really trying to say is that young bands now, people making music now, yeah. they don't have the same. They, they don't have the same foundation that bands back then had right. in, in any way, shape, or form. And there's that it's kind of the feel it, touch it, smell it, you know, experience it aspect mm. is just not what it was. Right. So it's been difficult, you know, from that standpoint. I mean, mm. I can get in the van and go drive to, you know, Columbus, mm. Georgia, and 5,000 mm. people came to sh- see us play Prince. I saw the pictures. And, you know, the, yeah. I go play a gig with Funk Hammer, and, well, we don't even want to talk about that, you know, just from the standpoint of the turnout's mm. very... It's a struggle. It's yeah, a struggle. Right. I love those projects very dearly. Yeah. You can find both of them on Reverb Nation. Uh, I think it's uh, ReverbNation.com mm-hmm. backslash Jonesworld. Yeah. And then ReverbNation.com backslash Toddzilla's Funk Hammer. And I'll, love put, the funk hammer. and I'll put links in the show awesome, notes. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. And, and, you know, my music's out there, and I, I love it, and yeah. I'm still out there trying to do it. I, obviously, I've got a whole lot on my plate right now trying to rebuild my life and yeah. trying to trying to get everything, you know, everything's turned upside down. So yeah. it's it's forced hiatus time, right. unfortunately. Well, sure. Got a couple yeah. of gigs coming up. Uh, you know, got a got a funk hammer gig in the near future. Got a Jones World gig coming up, you know, but they're, they're local things in Nashville, you right. know. And, um, but you know the music's out there. I'd love it if people you know went and tried to you know lengthen your attention span a little bit. Yeah. Kind of, kind of, kind of listen to it for a while. Well, yeah. There's some good songs there. Oh yeah, there's, totally. there's a lot of good stuff there. Well, I, I was gonna play out with your last song pick, but I want to play your last song pick and then do a back to back with one of your songs. So pick one of your songs also that we can throw on the, the end of this. Hmm. Okay. Uh, <laughs> put me on the spot. I gotta yeah. tell you what it is right now. Uh, you can tell me later if you want to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll think about it. <laughs> I would request either Stomp or Sister Salacious, but those are just my own two personal well, favorites. You know, it's your show. That's <laughs> your band. <laughs> I like I like the Boom Chicka Wow. I like that. Oh, yeah. I'll that say this: Boom Chicka Bow Wow. I believe that's some of my best guitar work. Yeah, let's I go ever with did. that. One. I like that one a lot. Uh, the guitar solo in that was one tr- shot. Yeah, it was, it was the first try. You nice. know, it was one take. The guitar solo on that was one take, and that's of all of the songs that were actually on that album. Mm-hmm. I think that I've got some, but then again, I got to, I got to, I got to give a huge nod to Billy. Mm-hmm. You know, if you listen to Rhythmine and then you listen to Boom Chicka Bow Wow that's right behind yeah. oh, yeah, go, totally. oh, that's where he got that. Yeah. Well, then you that's know. even more fitting to yeah, use for the there's show. There's definitely a lot of that kind of Billy Sweet. influence in that. Okay, you know? for sure, I love it. So yeah, that's okay. Funk Hammer doing Boom Chicka Bow Wow. Cool. We'll, so, we'll like totally that. finish right. with that. But what we got played first? Okay, uh, the last one. I just you know it's my I think my favorite band in the world yeah. ever you know truly uh, um, when I was 14 years old I went, there was a there was a band called um, Nantucket that had we a played them that, on the show it, yeah. did it really yeah. okay they they were from Raleigh North Carolina yep. and when I was growing up I was about 14 years old they had they had their big hit was a song called Heartbreaker yeah 
And it was, of course, very regional. You know, they were they were hometown guys because they were from North Carolina. Yeah. So they were kind of big in the southeast region. Mm-hmm. And they were uh, playing a show at Acock Auditorium on the UNCG campus. And I was 14 years old. And I knew about them because, you know, they were kind of hometown guys. So we were going to, me and a buddy of mine, we were going to go see Nantucket play at Acock Auditorium. Well, the other band on the bill was... They were label mates. They were both on Epic Records. The other band on the bill was a band from Atlanta, Georgia, called Mother's Finest. Okay. Okay. We watched Nantucket play. Great set. All cool. Let's hang around and watch this other band. Okay? They come out on stage, and it's... They had a white drummer and a white guitar player, Mm -hmm. and the guitar player looked kind of like Johnny Winter. Long blonde hair. And then... They had two singers, a male and a female, bass player and a keyboard player, and they were all black. Mm-hmm. And they were playing rock and roll. Yeah. And they blew my friggin' little 14-year-old mind. They were the most amazing live show. They had so much energy. It was funky, but it was heavy. They grooved like motherfuckers, and they just absolutely slammed everybody to the wall. And I stood in the balcony of Acock Auditorium with my eyeballs bugging out. I couldn't <laughs> believe it. And from then on, I was a diehard Mother's Finest fan. I have been, again, another band that really kind of didn't get over the hump. Right. Yeah. They were perpetual opening band yeah. in the in the Southeast, especially in the in the seventies, late seventies and early eighties. They opened for everybody and they literally blew everybody that they opened for off the stage almost every time they just were it was like a complete they they were the bridge between Sly and the Family Stone mm-hmm. and Living Color oh gotcha you know definitely very urban mm-hmm. obviously influenced R&B influenced that kind of stuff but it was rock and roll done by black people and it blew my little mind right on um this song is definitely one of my favorites. It's off of a record called Another Mother Further. <laughs> Best album title ever. And uh, and this is... Um, there's other songs that were more well-known. You know, their big hit was Baby Love. And then they had a real a real big, well-known song uh, called Mickey's Monkey that was a Holland Dozier Holland song. But they put it to the track of... Uh, Custard Pie by Led Zeppelin. It's the same guitar lick, same arrangement, same everything. It was like they took wow. two songs and smashed them together, and you ended up with this kind of real awesome thing that that happened. But this song is probably one of my favorites because um, again, it's it's a, it's a little funky, but it's a little heavy. But the musicianship is amazing. This song is called "Truth Will Set You Free." Awesome. Well, thanks, uh, Todd Zilla, for coming back out. We got to get you back on another time. Uh, man, you know, I'll do this anytime you want. We'll Obviously. figure out a way. Yeah, I've always got shit to say. <laughs> I'll come up with something anyway. Right on. Um, awesome. But I, I love you guys, and thank you for everything that you've done. Wow. You know, I, I, you guys, you know, as you know, you inspired me to try to start my own podcast, but 
let's just say life got in the way, right. obviously, and I've been dealing with so much stuff. I had like three three shows in the can, yeah. was just about ready to, to put the thing out, <laughs> yeah. and then my world gets turned upside wow. down. I know we were so, excited for it. I, you know, it, it, it was they were they were pretty cool too. I just you know, and and unfortunately. The drives that those shows were on were in my office and yeah. pretty crispy. So well, I don't know if I can ever recover them or not. Maybe I can. I don't know. Can we'll always see. do it again down the line. Until then, we'll we'll give you a mic for a while until you. Yeah. Ready. Anytime you want, I'll come out here and we'll talk about anything you guys tell me you want to talk about. Cool. Well, awesome. this is Mother's Finest, and thanks, Todd Zilla, and we'll see you next week. All right. Thanks. <laughs>
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points. 